right into our guide we have. If you have your guide with you, I want you to turn to page 55. We kind of left there, and I'll just read it. Some of it I'll read to you on our guide and, and uh, if you don't have it. But, but I want to kind of recap a little bit. And I need your help, though. I need your help to help me to recap, okay? So when we think about power, we said the Greek word for power, let's go to Luke 10, 19. Let's look at that together. This is, what, it's kind, this is the kind of recap. Then we're going to go, man, full steam ahead. We're going to move right into Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to talk about the armor of God. Oh, man, putting on the whole armor of God, what that means, and how the Lord has set us up, the strategies that he's given us. And so I'll need your help, though, in reading a couple of these verses. And as we always do, I encourage you, help us read, because it's so cool to hear your translation and uh and it'll be great so we're in luke chapter 10 right and we're going to go right to verse 19 and so i have the new king james some of you may have the different translations and it's always good to to hear from a different perspective on how it reads because it kind of like you know it just reveals a little bit more to us but this is when the 70 the 70 talks about here uh, returned with joy so here you have the disciples went out 70 went out and they returned with joy and notice the conversation before we get to verse 19 notice it says this in verse 17 then the 70 returned with joy say with joy notice this saying lord even the demons are subject to us in your name wow and he said to them i saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Notice 19. Behold, that means what? Look. All right, look. I give you. Who did he give it to? Those he was speaking to. He said, I'm giving you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Now notice this. And over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Man, isn't that good? I like that. Well, who has a different, let me hear a different translation. I appreciate it. You read it for us. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, you notice in her translation, you notice with my new King James translation, that the Greek word for the first where it says power was translated as authority. All right. Anybody have power there? Who has like, and read that, read that uh, I mean, your, your verse 19. Does everybody have authority? Does it say power, the first part? It says power twice. It should say power twice. In the original, I mean, when they wrote it, translated, but when the translators wrote into the New Testament in the Greek, they didn't translate, and that's why you have different translations that reveal to us. So someone read uh, something else, NIV or anything else you have. Um, mm-hmm. Now notice, how many times is power used? Twice. And I will tell you the first time that power is used, did you hear when I read out of the King James, how in Betty read out of the New, uh, the New Living, and how NIV, Linda, you read out of the NIV, the first word for power was translated as what? Authority. So really, if we read it that way and how it should have been translated, it should say this, behold, I give you the authority, not just the power, that word power is translated the authority, listen, What does it say? To trample on serpents and scorpions. And then it goes on and says, over all the power of the enemy. So you have authority. When Jesus was speaking to the 70, when they they returned, he's also speaking to us. You and I, we have authority over the enemy. We need to see it that way. He doesn't have authority over us. And the reason why we have authority is because of what Jesus did on the cross. Can you say amen to that? Well, do you know what, that, that when you see an officer or someone outside in the street and they're holding up traffic, they have their hand out or they tell you not to, not to stop, I mean to stop or not to go and because and the light, let's say the stop light or something is broke, I mean, and that person's saying, you know, hold it, stop, we're going to let someone else through. What do you think would happen if that person, someone just went right on through and, and ignored that individual, the officer? Could have an accident. Okay, do you think that officer would be happy? Maybe arrested even, right? They'll get on the radio and say, hey, get that license plate, chase them down. Now, who's backing up that officer? The government, the badge. And what's that badge is connected to what? The authority of what, the city or what? what what's, let's talk about our law enforcement. What do we have here? City. city. 
county and state. So what we have is authority. So you see what's happening is, is when we see an officer that there's authority that's behind that badge. There's authority behind that person. All right, what about us as believers? When the enemy sees us and we realize we have authority, well, who's backing us up? Jesus. Or we like to say it this way, all of heaven is backing us up, man. All is heaven. Now think about this. Let me read this to you. I want you to capture this because we're kind of recapping. But notice this. Here's the value of authority. And, and, and this is what I want you to take away from uh, this evening. The value of authority. Here it is. It is the power behind that authority. The value of authority is the power behind that authority. Now, of course, we know there's power behind the authority of dealing with law enforcement. But it's nothing like the power of God that's behind, come on, us when we are stepping out in the name of Jesus, proclaiming the word of God, letting, letting the devil know, listen, you're on our turf now, come on. And what happens is the, is the enemy will try you. The enemy will test you to see if you know your authority. It's kind of like some people, what they do when they're driving. I mean, they can see an officer right there and just go speeding right on by. Now, y'all don't do that, do you? Not on purpose. But if you did, there's some folks, man, we've seen people like, wow, motorcycles, and, and they see an officer, and boom, just take off, especially one of those, fa those fast ones, those little ninja things. Uh-oh, Linda said, mm, okay, who was she pointing to? Well, but anyways, family. See, I don't know about who else you pulled away. Okay, that's okay. But here's the thing. Some people will try to try authority and thinking like, oh, man, they can get away with stuff. But let me tell you something, that, that if they catch them, and they most likely will, where are they going? Jail, right? So... Here's the thing, there's still authority there. But, but when the enemy recognizes that we have authority, we put the devil in his place. And therefore, he doesn't have authority over our lives. But if we don't know who we are and we don't know that heaven backs us up, you know what the enemy does? He just comes in and just runs havoc in our lives. And we, and we sometimes as believers, we just let him do it because we don't know our authority. Okay, now let's go down to page 55. I'm going to read this to you. Now, the word of God that you have, it's why it's so important that we teach the word. The word of God is from the spirit of God. And I want you to see this. The word of God that you have in front of you is from the spirit of God. Because it says here that it was holy men of old who wrote it. They, were, they wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, let's continue. Now, the word of God is of utmost importance. But you'll never understand. Notice this is so good. You'll never understand with your head. You must understand it with your heart. Let's talk about that. Man, you'll never understand the word with your head. You'll understand it with your what? Heart. Now, have you ever tried to understand something with your head spiritually? Come on. Some, come on. Some people say, man, I'm trying. I know. I know I have. Trying to understand scripture. And I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to reason it out. Only to get to a place where, I, man, I don't know what this means. <laughs> come on. Is anybody with me? before? Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but then all of a sudden you begin to understand, wait a minute, I, I can't understand it with my head. I must understand with my spirit. And then I start to understand, Lord, reveal to me by your spirit what your word is saying. And then revelation comes because the Holy Spirit gives us revelation. All right, so I like that. Well, and so here's what's something that's very important. Don't, let's look at this at the bottom. It says, don't put the spirit above the word. Whoa. Don't put the spirit above the word. Put the word first and the spirit second and you'll be safe. See, we have to understand it is the word of God. We put the word of God because, see, if you have the word of God, guess what the spirit, the spirit is going to do? It's going it's to agree. And what happens, a lot of people, they get off in all these so-called spiritual things. I call it supernatural things or spooky natural things, right? And all of a sudden, they want to get all spiritual. and get Some of them get way over here, and they go get over into the enemy's territory. And they start thinking, oh, this is all spiritual and all this other stuff. But see, sometimes those things are not of God at all. See? So you start pursuing these spiritual things, and we need to do what? Pursue the word of God. Get into the word. Say, get into the word. All right, here we go. Now, let's look at together where it says... Uh, I want you to see on, on page 57, page 57. Now, the source, write this down, the source of your authority, the source of authority is found in the resurrection, or we can say, we can say this 
the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, or when he was resurrected, this is, this is the source of our authority, when he was exalted, when he was lifted up, this is the source of your authority. Because guess what? If he was never lifted up, if he never was resurrected, there's no authority. There would be no authority. So your source, my source of authority, is found in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because you say, how do you know that? Well, there was others that claimed to be God. There's others that claimed to be all kinds of things. Guess what? They're still in the grave. Their body's in the grave. But not Jesus. You see? Resurrected. And therefore, that's our authority. Say authority. authority. All right. So, but not only this, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, actually, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Let's look at this together. And so as we get there, I want us to turn and see what we have going on. And I want you to see this is so good. It's going to really bless you. All right. Ephesians chapter 1, 20. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. All right. Here we go. Now, someone read verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 24. Let's go right ahead. Talking about, as we're looking at real quickly, that it's found in the resurrection or the exalting of Christ. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 6. Chapter 2, verse 6. I'm going to read out of, the, out of the New King James, verse 6, chapter 2. This is what it says. I want you to see this. It's really good. And let me start in verse 4. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You can say amen to that. And raised us up. I like that. Us. Who's he talking about? Us. Let's look at this again. And raised us up together and made us, notice, to sit together in heavenly places. Say heavenly places. In who? In Christ. Do you see that? In Christ. So in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. And so this is so important for us to get a hold of this truth and to walk in it and realize that as we're, as we're finding our place in him, that we're growing spiritually. Say growing. growing. All right. Now, now I said all that to say this. Here's the bottom line. You know what? Whatever we do in life spiritually, guess what we have to do? Maintain balance. Say balance. You know, there has to be a balance. In other words, we can't go from one side to the other. You know, as we have been taught, and I'm sure you understand, we have found many people, when you talk about spiritual things, man, sometimes they get hung up and they go on one side of the ditch or the other. In other words, they go to one extreme or they go to the other. And I want to teach you and share with you that always stay, you know, with the word. But let me say it this way. Always stay in the middle of the road. Always stay in the middle of the road, man, and, and allow the word to, to reveal to you and the spirit of God to show you from the scriptures what God is saying. And, and because you, people can get off. How many know that people can, they can get off? And what I mean is they can get out of balance. How many have ever had a vehicle where you're driving and you have a front end alignment, right? And, you, man, all of a sudden, you know, you're hitting these potholes you don't realize or you're hitting this hole over time and you let your hand go off the steering wheel. What happens? Will you still go straight? No, what happens then? One side or the other. It's going to either go to the right or it's going to pull to the left. Why is that? What has happened to our alignment? It's gotten out of balance. Do you know that's just like our lives? When we don't stay in line with the word of God. In other words, when we don't stay prayed up, and we don't stay spiritual, you know, as far as praying in the spirit or just seek, seeking God. What happens is so easy for our lives to get out of balance. And instead of going straight, we think we're going straight. Because I know when you're driving, you don't realize that you think you're going straight, don't you? You know why? Because you're holding the steering wheel. And when you're holding it, you think I'm driving straight. But the moment you let it go, all of a sudden it goes whoop, way over here. And that's what happens. Or way over there. So what do we do? What's the remedy? The remedy is this. Stay in the middle of the road. Stay in alignment. I always tell people this. If your vertical is correct, guess what? Your horizontal will be correct. And sometimes people get it backwards. They're trying to get everything out here to be correct, only being out of balance here. Wow, not a good place to be in. All right? Well, let's turn to, uh, uh, we're in chapter 7, the weapons of our warfare. Ooh, 
the weapons of our warfare. Well, you know where we're going. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Oh, I love this. And I'm going to share some key, key thoughts with you, and we're going to look at basically what the armor symbolizes, and that's how we'll finish up this evening. And I know that you will be blessed. Can you say amen to that? Well, we have two verses I want us to look at first, and then we'll continue to move on. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. Now, if you found that, once you get there, say praise the Lord. All right, now who wants to read that first for us, 10 and 11? It's talking about the whole armor of God. Someone go right ahead if you don't mind. All right. That's good. So we're, we're, we're actually you know, told here, we're given instructions here, finally, my brethren, do what? Be strong in who? In the Lord, not in ourselves. Whoo, that should take a load off right there, okay? Then it goes on and says this, and, notice, and, that's what I like, be strong in the Lord, and, what does it say? In the power of his might. So we're not being strong in ourselves, you know, we're being strong in the Lord in the power not of our might, but his might. All right, so let's continue. But then as you've read here, here's what we have to do. And sometimes as believers, we don't do this on a regular basis. We don't. We're not arming ourselves. We're not arming ourselves. It's just, again, like an officer. Now, don't misunderstand me. Far, far cry from the, whole, from the armor of God, but just an example, you understand. But in order to know, or for an officer to go out and to be equipped, whether it's an officer, whether it's a military person, whether it's anybody with a uniform, let's put it that way, all right? When they go out and they're going to work, they have a uniform on, then you know that basically what's happening, that they are fully dressed and preparing themselves for work. Am I right about that? Okay? We can even go and deal with sports. Whether it's football, whether it's baseball, listen, they have a uniform. Now, you would think it would be strange of me if I had a baseball uniform on and I said, let's go play football. What would you say? You got the wrong sport, right? Or at least you have the wrong outfit, all right? So here's what happens a lot of times when we're not equipping ourselves as we should. We're, we're, we're not putting on the whole armor of God. We're trying to do things on our own. So let's look and see what Paul says here as he's giving instructions to the church about the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor. Who has to put it on? Are we waiting for God to put it on us? We have to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand. Come on, against the wiles of the devil. Now, now understand this. We've already read that we have authority over the devil. Did we not read that? We also already proved by the word of God that, listen, as Christ is seated, so are we. And therefore, in heavenly places, the Bible says we're seated with him. Well, we have been given authority in Jesus' name. And then why do you think then Paul says, finally, my brethren, put on the whole armor of God? After all that, why do we have to put on the whole armor of God? Anybody, any thought? It's not a, it's not a test question, not a quiz. The enemy will come. You are in a spiritual what? Battle. So we have to be arrayed or dressed for that battle. Even though we know that we know who the enemy is, we know that he's under our feet, that doesn't mean he's going to try stop trying. Notice I said trying to defeat you. That doesn't mean that he's going to say, okay, well, I just give up. Mm -mm, he's not going to do that. That's right. No, he's going to come after you even more in full force to try to take you out. But we don't have to be afraid because we have not been given the spirit of fear, but what? Of power, love, and what? A sound mind. And greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Praise God. So all Paul is saying is, listen, I'm encouraging you, be equipped. I'm encouraging you, put on the whole armor. That's all he's sharing with us. Well, let's continue to look at this. Notice in page 57, the next paragraph, second, it says, the Christian who puts on the armor and engages in spiritual warfare, guess what, is marked. Well, I mean, you know, because the enemy now knows. But then it says, by spiritual warfare, I simply mean doing the works of Jesus and taking our authority over the devil as we go about our daily lives. How many of you think that the enemy is just going to let you do whatever you want to do? No. As Christians, I'm talking. No. He's going to try to do what? Stop you every time. 
But how many of you know that, that, listen, even though he may try to stop us, that we have the victory already. It's been given to us. It's been given to you, right? Okay, let's go on then. This is just great advice he's given us, great wisdom. And then he goes on in our notes, as Brother Hagin is saying, he says, I'm not talking about purposely trying to, to go ahead. It says go head to head with Satan in some kind of prayer combat. And some people, I, 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 don't misunderstand what I'm about to tell you. Some people really, and, and they, they're trying to fight the devil in a sense like it's just said here, like in a combat. And trying to, like, you know, man, we prayed. Or like they would say, we prayed. But then what you hear them saying, man, we, man, we fought the devil. And I'm like, wait a minute, you don't have to. Listen, you stand your ground. You're not fighting the devil like, you know, fighting in combat. You're not fighting the devil as if Andy and I got into a tussle. I'm fighting with him. That's some people think that they're fighting the enemy like that. But no, it's a spiritual battle. It's spiritual. And what happens is all we do is we reinforce what Jesus already did for us. What we do is we speak the word of God only. What we do is we, we claim what belongs to us in the name of Jesus, and guess what? Taking authority over the devil, we put him on the run every time. Every time. And I tell you this, let me say this again, that, man, I, I don't know about you, but when I get around people, especially believers, Man, I, and we're talking about the things of God. I love it when we're exalting the Lord. Man, I love it when we're talking about the goodness of God. You know, it kind of it rubs me a little bit wrong, uh, just wrong in the wrong sense in my spirit. When you get around believers, then all they're talking about is the devil, what the devil's doing. You know, and this and that and the devil and this and that and the devil. I'm going, wait a minute, hold it. Wait a minute, you're grieving my spirit. Because the devil ain't all that. Are you listening to me? See, in Jesus' name, our elder brother has already defeated the devil. He's already been placed in his place spiritually. What you and I have to do is recognize that, that we have authority over him. He's already given you authority over the devil. All right? He's no match for Jesus, and he's no match for us when we're in Christ, speaking the word, doing what God has called us to do. Can you say amen to that? That's powerful. All right, that's powerful. Well, let's continue. And here's what the enemy wants you to do. You know what the enemy wants you to do? Basically, he wants you to quit. Do I have any quitters in here tonight? The enemy wants you to quit. He wants you to throw up your hands and say, forget it. See, because a little pressure comes against us. Uh, you know, things don't seem to work out, or things may seem to take longer than what we think. All of a sudden, the enemy just wants us to say, well, just throw my hands up and say, just forget it. It's not going to happen. Just quit. And the enemy is just having a good time. You know, watching believers especially because we don't know our authority. A little pressure, a little pressure, caving in under pressure. No, what we need to do is when pressure comes, we need to learn how to stand up, you know, stand our ground. Just because a little pressure comes, you ought to expect pressure. Just because it comes, because listen, if you've ever, if you've ever played any kind of sports, or if you've been in, dealing with anything where there's, there's someone, an opposite foe, whatever the case may be, they're not going to just let you just walk over them. No. Now, even though the enemy knows he's defeated, he's not going to just let you do what you want to do. But you know this, that you have authority, and just because he tries to stop you, that doesn't mean he can stop you. Now, he may try to hinder, yes, but that doesn't mean he can stop you if you know who you are in Christ. So hindering and stopping is two different things. Are you with me? Because we're talking about being believers. All right. And so how do you think we remain undefeated? How do you think you remain undefeated? Stay in the word. Give me some other things. How do we remain undefeated? Stay in the word. What else? Full armor of God. Also recognizing who we are, recognizing our authority, okay? And if we take advantage, we're going to look at this armor. If we take advantage of our spiritual armor that's provided to us, then listen, and the enemy tries to come up against him, we'll defeat him against us. We'll defeat him every time. Say every time. Okay, well, let's look at this together. We're going to read it all, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 17. And then we're going to go back and talk about it, all right? So here we go. I'm reading, I'm reading here, and it may be from, from the, uh, I'll just go ahead and read out the New King James. Listen to this, verse 10. And we're going to go down to verse 17. It says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers, it says, of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, what does it say? To stand, what do we do? Stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Glory to God. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication. I just wanted to add that in there because I know we're going to 17, but I'm just going to finish. And the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly. Do you see that there? To make known the mystery of the gospel. Wow. Well, let's look at this here, the difference. The difference between, I want you to see on page 59 in your outline, in your book, the difference parts of the armor, of the armor of God. But let me give you this here. I want you to write this down because we're going to break down scriptures for you and that'll help you to understand as, as Paul is given how, how I see it, that'll help you that he's given the believers or giving the church instructions. So if you were to write this down and we break down verses 11 through 20, verses 11 and 12 is giving you as a believer a strategy, say strategy, is giving you a strategy to win. If you'll read verses 11, and I want you to write that next to it, say verses 11, or you can say one, number one, a strategy to win. And next to that, put verses 11 and 12. All right? Here we go. Number two. Number two. Knowledge of the opposition. Write that down. Knowledge of the opposition. This is verse 12 alone because it's still giving us, and we, and we may, you know, of course, you know, as, as we continue to go, you'll see some scriptures continue to run together with some of these thoughts I'm giving you, and I'm going to give you five of them, and it'll really help you, you know, as you get a hold of this truth. So what was number one? The strategy to win. And what verses? 11 and 12. Number two, knowledge of the opposition. That means the enemy, okay? That's verse 12. Here's number three that God has given us the resources that we need or resources they need. So I want you to write that down. That's verse 13. I want you to see that and we'll go over it together. Here's number four. Here's number four. For the believer, in order, and as, as we stand, number four is God has given us a plan for how to use them. So now we see, and that's verses 14 through 17, here's a strategy to win, 11 and 12. There's knowledge of the opposition, verse 12. Resources that we need, that's verse 13. A plan for how to use them, that's 14 through 17. Aren't you glad that there's a, there's a plan? Hallelujah. And then lastly, here it is, I call detailed communication. From verse 14 through 20, it's detailed. It gets very detailed on, on, on what we should do, communication, on how we stand. So do you see that? And I want you to be able to go back and look at that. But now, let's specifically do this. Let's look at this armor, and I want you to take a close look at it with me, all right? Because there's, as we look at this, it says in the bottom of verse, I mean, page 59, it says the different parts of this armor symbolizes, do you see that there, 59, or listen, spiritual truths which belong to the believer. We're going to talk about some spiritual truths. Then it goes on and says, wearing the armor, the believer is protected and unhampered in his ministry or her ministry of authority. All he needs to be concerned about is keeping his armor bright and well secured about him. Now, let's look at some of these things. Here we go. Turn to page 60. So, it says here that the, to, there's the, the, the girdle of truth, or as we look back here, the girdle of truth, and this which represents a clear understanding of God's word, like a soldier's belt. What does a soldier's belt do? It holds the rest of the armor in place. So here's what happens. When you gird your loins about with truth, what is truth? God's word. 
When you gird your loins about with truth, this is what holds everything together. You, we have to have the word of God. And, and seeing without the word of God, it's kind of like, to me, it's kind of, you know, I say it this way, it's like getting up and putting on pants that's almost three sizes too big. Come on, guess what's going, without a belt, what's going to happen? Going to fall down. You can't, you can't hold, I don't care, can't, can't hold everything up. You don't have the belt. The belt is what's securing everything together. So the belt of truth is the word of God. This is why we always say here, stay with the word. Don't deviate from the word. The word, it says here, we're to gird our loins about with what? Truth. The Bible says in many places, but especially thy word is what? Truth. Okay, you're with me. Well, secondly, here's the thought for you. It's right there. We're going to see it right here on page 60. It's already spelled out. Notice, secondly, is the breastplate of righteousness. So now we're putting on the breastplate of righteousness. This is a twofold application. Let's look at the first one. The first application is Jesus is our righteousness. Praise God. That is not our own righteousness, right? But Jesus' righteousness. And then it says, and we put him on first. Glory to God. We put him on first. Then it also shows our obedience to the word of God. So now what happens is we gird our loins about with truth. Once we gird our loins about with truth, we put on the breastplate of righteousness. Whose righteousness is it? Jesus. Not our righteousness. Not our righteousness. But then it also goes on and says this, because the application is so clear that it shows our obedience to the word of God. Let's look at number three. Let's look at the third part. Here's the third part. Our feet are shod with what? With the preparation of the gospel of peace. What does that mean? What does it mean actually to, to shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Of peace. Well, it says this here, number three, it talks about this is a faithful ministry proclaiming the word of God. So guess what? Everywhere you go, your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Everywhere you go, man, you're sharing the gospel. Everywhere you go, you're looking at opportunities to talk about the goodness of God. So what do we have on so far? We have on what? What are we doing with our loins? We're girding what? Our loins about with truth. And this truth does what? This is very important. It holds what? Everything together. So without truth, guess what's going to happen? It'll fall apart. It'll fall apart. This is why I tell you, some people, it really, sometimes, it just doesn't make sense, and I don't know if they just don't see it, but they, they, they will go along, they'll go along throughout life and, and not spend time in the Word and thinking that everything's okay. Oh, that's no problem. Now, how many of you know if you went a day without the word, how would that make you feel? Somebody talk to me, just without even reading the scripture. How would that, I mean, think about it. You're in the word now, but let's say all of a sudden you take a day off. What, what, how would that make you feel? Anybody? For me, it's like something's missing. Something's missing, okay. Makes you feel insecure, all right. Anyone else? We stop, you just say, hey, you know what? I just, I'm just going to put the Bible down, and I'm just going to go. I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to do things. I'm just, you know, how would that, what would that do for you spiritually? How would that make some of you feel? Uneasy. Wow. All right. See, and this, this, this is great. And, and because you're pointing out truth, you're pointing out facts. So that's one day. Let's talk about a week. How would that make you feel? A week. One week. <laughs> I'm going to crash, I'm going to burn, I'm lost. So what's happening here? The, the application or the implication is what? We need the word of God. Now, do you know what about a month? Whew. Wow. Wow. So then what happens? You know what? How many days does it take to actually make a habit or to break a habit? 21 days. Do you know less than a month? You, we can get out of the habit of reading the word just by simply going, no, tomorrow, no, tomorrow, no, tomorrow. Like to Uh-oh, watch out. We can get out of the habit of coming to church. Right. It's a habit. It, it, it creates a habit. But I know this, that also makes a person weak. Weak. So if we said 
that we gird our loins about with truth, and the truth is what holds everything together. It's the word that holds everything together. What's going to happen over a period of time? We become weak. Then you know what happens when we become weak? You ever see a lion? Maybe you watch a National Geographic. A lioness, because a lion doesn't hunt. It's the lioness, you see. All right. Hunts and brings it back. All right? The meal back. Now, what happens is this. You have to understand. And here's these antelope. You know, here's these deer. There's Bambi out there, you know. Bambi should have been home. But anyways, all I'm saying is, here comes the lioness just watching, waiting. And then what? Pouncing on the meal. Well, what happens a lot of times is because for, there's so many things, analogies can go with that. But that person or, or the animal's not able to get away. You know what they spot? You know what they look for? They look for the weak one. Wow. Looking for the weak one. What does the Bible says that the enemy is as what? A roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's not going to devour a strong one. See? Those who are weak. So how do we become weak? By not getting into the word. By not spending time in prayer. We become weak. All right, let's continue. Let's continue. All right. Let's look at number four. Here's the fourth thing. The fourth part of the armor, piece of the armor is this. The shield of faith. Oh, man. The shield of faith. Well, you know what? A shield is a covering. Say covering. And a shield is a covering for the entire body. And here's what it represents. A complete safety under the blood of Christ. Wow. Also, where no power of the enemy can penetrate. When you hold up the shield of faith, by faith, we walk by faith and not by sight. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We see the importance of having the shield of faith. When you walk by faith, not by sight, it says here as we're reading together that it represents our complete safety under the blood of Christ. Safety. That's why faith is important. The word is important. Truth is important. Righteousness is important. But I will tell you here as well, faith is important. That we need to walk by faith and not by sight. You know what? It took faith to get you into the kingdom. It's going to take faith to keep you there. Yeah. Walking by faith. Believing God. Trusting God. Because I will tell you, that doesn't, you know, just because we're believers, we're born again, that doesn't mean that, that a challenge may not come my way or, or our way. and We may not face difficulties. We may not face situations and circumstances. That's not the case. We're in this world as we know it, but we're not of it. But we know what to do with them when they come. Come on. And so you have to understand the truth is it's what you do with them when they come. And it's really having that foundation built underneath you with the word so that you can stand, so that your house, so your life can stand. Come on, when you have the right foundation. And if you don't have the right foundation, what's going to happen? Your life, our lives are like what? Sinking sand. All right, because we're not taking the time. We have not taken the time to prepare ourselves. That's what happens with a believer who has become weak over time. It's like sinking sand. We wonder, what's going on around us? How come this isn't going right? How come that isn't going right? The question is, okay, you've been given the word, you've been given instructions, but guess what? You haven't made application with it. You haven't done anything with it. You see? In other words, you don't know how to fight off the enemy. We don't know how to fight off the enemy. But if we take the word, and it's our foundation, when the storms of life come, we'll be able to stand up under these circumstances and situation, we walk by faith, but it's all because we've listened and we what? Obeyed. All right? So that's what we're talking about here. So what is the fourth thing? The fourth part of our armor is what? The shield of faith. And what do we say the shield of faith is for? It's a covering for what? The entire body. It represents our complete safety under the blood of Christ. Well, let's look at the fifth part of the armor. Here it is. It is a helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Now, notice this. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. The helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation would be considered as, as the hope of salvation. Or when, they, when we use the word hope or Bible hope, let's not misunderstand this. What we're talking about is a confident expectation. 
that you have a confident expectation. So we see here in Thessalonians, let me write before Timothy. So we're going to look together here, and, and I want us to see this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. I want to hear what your translations have to say about this, and it really brings to light what we're talking about. And verse 8, if you found it, say praise the Lord. All right, so let's go ahead and praise the Lord. Let's look at verse 8. Someone read that for us, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. Go right ahead. Wow, wearing as our helmet, see that? As our helmet, the what? What did you say? The what? The comp confidence of our salvation. Glory, a confidence of our salvation. Someone else. I like that. New Living, thank you. Who has a different translation other than New Living? Wow. Isn't that neat? The hope of salvation. So the hope of salvation is, is the only, listen, helmet able to protect the head you see, and in these days of turning from the truth. Wow. And when you put on the helmet of salvation, it protects you from turning from the truth, which is the word. Your hope, talking about the hope, the salvation. Okay, well, let's go on. Let's, let's look here at number six, the sixth piece of the armor. Number six is a sword of the spirit. Ooh, I like that. Which is what? The word of God. Well, let's look a little deeper. This shows that the word of God is to be used offensively. So we have to use the word offensively. In other words, the other parts of the army, they're mainly what? Defensive. But guess what? But the sword, the word of God, is an active weapon. So I want you to see this. You see, and what happens is this. If I don't arm myself properly every day, and the enemy tries to come against us. I, my, listen, my loins are not girded about with truth. Okay? I don't have the breastplate of righteousness on. Are you with me? My feet are not shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I don't put on what? Or the, helmet, the shield of faith. All right? And then what? The helmet of salvation. And what else? The sword of the spirit. What's going to happen? Well, see, I, I become a prey. I become an open prey for the enemy. But these five things that we mentioned right before the sword of the spirit, they are for defensive purposes. This is why it's so important for us to learn to be skillful to get into the word because that is our only offensive weapon. And it's amazing how believers, we don't esteem the word as we should. We don't. If that word is your offensive weapon, don't you think you would take care of it better? Come on now. The word is our offensive weapon. Don't you think we're going to say, hey, man, I might need this. Therefore, I need to learn it. I need to be skillful in it. Now, how are we going to be skillful in something? I have to spend time with it, right? I have to study it. Are you with me? See, what happens a lot of times as believers, we don't. We don't spend time with it. We don't study it, but yet we want to think we can use it. And when we try to wheel it, when we try to use it, that sort of the spirit, well, I mean, we're not even convinced of what it says ourselves. You see, how do you know that? Because I hear, you know, you know what you can tell. When someone is, is talking to you about this or that or using the scripture, you can tell if there's confidence behind what they're saying or if they're just quoting something they heard. Come on. See, because there's a, there's a knowing, there's a no-so. So that means we've taken the time to study. That means we've taken the time to get into the Word. That means we've taken time to be skillful in learning how to use the Word of God and against the enemy, against anything, against any foe that comes our way. And so I will tell you, the more time we spend in the Word of God, guess what's going to happen? The more skillful we become. The more skillful. And so, looking back at the points that I gave you, I want you to see this as we, as we close here, uh, as, as we look at this together. I said verses 11 and 12, if you look at this together and you study it, I believe that the Lord is giving us a strategy to win. What is that strategy in 11 and 12? It says it right here, very clear. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and against the rulers, it says right here, of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That right there is a strategy to win. If we'll do that, if we put on the whole armor of God, guess what? We're going to win. Say, I'm going to win. Well, here's the other thing. Knowledge of the opposition. In other words, if, if you've ever played, I, I know I keep saying sports because I just enjoy sports, but anything where there's competition or there's an, there's an opponent, right? You need to study your opponent. I don't care if it's chess, checkers. That make a difference what it is. If you're competing and playing against someone, you have to say, man, okay, you know, what does this person do? What are their tendencies? You see? And then right here, it gives us a knowledge of the opposition in verse 12. And we read that earlier because it says what? It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Do you see that? Okay, so we know now who our opposition is, right? We know who our opponent is. Is our opponent people? Not at all. But you know what? Why do people fall out with other people? Woo! Not my opponent. In fact, you know what? I, we should not have any kind of issue with one another. That's why the Bible talks about, you know, dealing with strife and not having strife, walking in love towards one another. And I think it's, it's amazing sometimes how that in the church, in the church, everybody say in the church. I mean, we're just going at each other. What? That, that's not Bible. And that means this, that you don't know, we don't know, people don't know as believers who our, our opponent is if we're constantly trying to strive and to come against one another. We don't know who our enemy is. And I'm treating you like you're my enemy. That's, that's not scriptural. You see, that's dealing with the flesh. But we're told that we don't wrestle against the flesh then why do we wrestle? See, why are the people striving? Why are the people getting upset? Well, you know why? Because they don't have on the belt of what? Truth. Because the belt of truth does what? It holds everything together. So you tell, hey, man, you don't, you don't tell them, hey, man, go put your belt on. Put your belt on. So what do you mean? Because if you're walking in truth, you know what I mean? I'm not going to, well, can I say now, I'm just not going to cuss you out. Uh-oh, did I say that? Or y'all didn't hear that? Okay. You said, what? Now, wait a minute, Pastor. You're talking about believers. I am. Oh, don't get quiet in the church. Are you listening to me? There's something wrong. There's something missing. All right, let's go on. You probably say, praise the Lord, Pastor. Let's go on. Okay, here we go. Listen to this. Then we also said, what? The resources they need. Let's find that in verse 13. What's the resources? Right here. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand against the evil day and having done all the stand, all we've got to do is what? Take what? Take on the whole armor of God. And here's your plan for how to use them. You read from verse, verse 14 through 17. Here's what we're supposed to do. Stand. This is the plan. God has given us strategies on how to be victorious over the enemy. Stand. And when having done all the stand, what do we do? We continue to stand. We don't quit. We don't give up. We don't run and hide. We go, oh, no. Oh, no. This battle that we're fighting, listen, we don't have to roll up our sleeves. You're not fighting the enemy like you're fighting the person. This is a spiritual battle. And therefore, we have to be spiritually equipped to deal with the enemy. And so many times we're not understanding the truth and knowing what our authority is and who we are. Because the truth of the matter is this. We've already won. You've already won. You have the authority. You have the victory. You see, this is why the Bible talks about us not just being conquerors, but what? Being more than conquerors. So that's who we are. The enemy doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want believers to know that because then he can just run again, just, just run rampant in their lives and do whatever he wants to do. And we would stand back as if a person having no authority and just let him do whatever he wants to do. But that's somebody that they don't know who they are in Christ. Say who I am in Christ. So I encourage you, as we've studied this lesson and we, and we went through our, our course in dealing with the believer's authority, I, I cannot impress upon you to, to walk in this truth of God's word, knowing who you are, knowing what belongs to you is so important in overcoming, listen, 
situation and obstacles in this life. Say this life. Yeah. And, and so, so you, what I want to share with you is that you already have the victory, but you just have to enforce, enforce it. You already have author, the authority, but you have to do what? Enforce that authority. You have to enforce it. When an enemy sticks his ugly head up, what do you do? You say, no, in Jesus' name, I take authority over you. You're a liar and you're a thief. I command you to get out. I command you to go. See, you use that in the name of Jesus. Got to go. Satan, you're a liar. And you have no, no place here. Come on. No authority here. That's what you're saying. No authority, no place. You got to go in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Take your authority. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us just how important it is for us as believers to discover our authority. The authority that belongs to us, that you've given to us. Oh, Father, I pray that we, all of us as believers, will be reminded that we do have authority and that we know what it is. I pray, Father, that we will get a hold of the Ephesians prayers, chapter 1, chapter 3, and all the prayers that Paul has prayed, understanding what belongs to us and that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations. And, Father, everything that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ and having done all, Father God, to, to avenge all disobedience, having, having our a readiness to come against anything that, that come against your word and contradicts who we are, that we would live our lives as you have encouraged us and taught us from your word. So, Father, we thank you that we strive to live as you have encouraged us by your word and taught us by your word to live a victorious life. We are not afraid of the enemy. We thank you, Lord, that we are, we are powerful in Christ. We are king's kids, children of the most high God. Therefore, we walk in our authority. We take what belongs to us, and we put the devil on a run in Jesus' name. And we thank you for this, and we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor in the name that is above every name. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I tell you what, we appreciate you coming out this evening. Uh, man, I thank